Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I think we're going to have a delightful episode if we can pull this off. The guest tonight is Luana Victoria Arama, and the topic is Resilience, Grace, and the art of showing up. There's this notion of healing. Uh, what I want to talk to you about is is a metaphor, so to speak, of of this of this human persona, if you will. Well, on the show, we've had hundreds of episodes of of people sharing their lives in a very powerful way. Oftentimes, it's hinged around a healing modality and boy howdy does humanity need to heal a healing modality is very powerful but I want to use the metaphor of a bicycle and the reason I want to use it is to uh, draw a very distinct comparison of healing and then living So if we think of a bicycle that's not ready to ride, it's got a flat tire, the chain's broken, the handlebars are bent, it needs healing. And this is a metaphor. When we talk about healing, we're talking about putting the the bike back together to get the bike so we can ride it, to, to fix the bike. We can't ride the bike until the bike is fixed. So the notion of a bicycle being fixed is an analogy to our own human persona being healed. There's so many healing modalities. So many of these shows are based on healing, and that's a very, very powerful thing. My God, does humanity need healing? The notion of the bike being fixed. Okay, now the bike's fixed. The tires are full. The steering works great. The chain works. Well, now, the, now we're going to ride a bicycle. We're not going to heal a bicycle. We're going to ride a bicycle. Riding a bicycle is completely different than healing a bicycle. When we look at ourselves as a human persona and we think of the notion of healing ourselves, please, oh, my God, yes, can we heal ourselves? Healing ourselves and then living ourselves is two completely different things. Two completely different things. Once we heal, and I, I suggest to you an absolute and completely total healing on the planet is rare because we have so many layers to us, so many layers to us, that as we heal, we start to ride our life. We start to live our life. We start to express our life. We start to create motion. I mean, I love the analogy of the bicycle because if I'm fixing the bicycle, I'm not riding the bicycle. The bicycle can't be ridden, so to speak. And the notion of what's happening tonight that I think is so beautiful is Luana's story of how she went through the healing process and how nature was so intertwined with it. 
what I think is really beautiful about the the topic tonight is um, resilience, grace, and the art of showing up. I mean, these are really simple terms, and we don't really think of um, resilience and and grace perhaps as much as we could in the healing process because for oftentimes our uh when we heal emotionally we might curl up in a ball and and cry and have so many tears resilience and grace and the art of showing up is i think a a fresh perspective in the healing process um our guest tonight Lilana victoria arana has written a really i think a very powerful book in that book she describes the journey of the trauma as well as the journey of the healing. And I was very impressed as I read the book of just subtle little nuances she would learn as she traveled around the globe and how it reflected on her healing process. Sometimes we have this idea of healing like we have to go to a shrink's office or a doctor's office. But... Uh, in in her account of of how she was able to heal herself, there was a lot of subtle nuances along the way, and and I think um, what we can gain from this is recognizing those opportunities, those subtle moments throughout our everyday life, where we uh, we have an opportunity to heal and we might not recognize it and we might not seize it if we're not aware of it. And that's what I really like about Luana's, um, what she what she brings to us with her book. Again, the topic tonight is Resilience, Grace, and the Art of Showing Up, a Spiritual Journey of Empowerment Against All Odds. Through her observations of nature, and gathering life teachings from many cultures, that's, that's what I was talking about, Luana made the shift from victim to victor. She enlightens the reader to explore the power of nature as a resource of wisdom and truth, as an ally and healer, awakening us to our own innate resilience and capacity to recreate ourselves. Luana offers deep insights and tools of perception in how we can restore harmony and balance in our lives after trauma. It is a beautiful book supporting women's spirituality and self-help through adventure, travel, and spiritual healing. This book has the power and potential to change lives in beautiful and enriching ways. Um, Join me in welcoming Luana to the show. Welcome to the show, Luana. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful to be here. We made it. You're on the show. Bravo. (laughs) Yay, we made it. Even though technology was uh, interfering a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect to be here. All 12 that ends well. So, um, yes. Like I mentioned in the introduction, I really liked in your book how you shared um, some of the the subtle um, gifts that you would learn from different cultures. But before we start talking uh, in context about the book, can you just share with our audience kind of a, a, a brief perspective of of 
your journey um, into through the trauma and and out just so we have a context of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, so the brief, I guess, a little bit of history would place the um, you know, growing up there was a lot of trauma in my childhood, which caused me to recreate certain patterns um, in my adult life that repeated, repeated, repeated. Um, and at certain points in my 20s, in my early 20s, I realized that, okay, if something is repeating, um, there's something that needs to be looked at because I'm the common denominator. And so I started um, going deeper into my connection with nature, deeper into my connection of soul-searching that I'd been on since I was a little girl. Um, But as an adult in my 20s and repeating the patterns again and again, I went, okay, somewhere this has to stop. Somewhere there's got to be some creative control on my end that I can help affect my life and affect what I'm attracting into my life. And that's when I started doing a, dive, a deep dive looking at traumas that had taken place in my childhood that I thought, oh, yeah, they happened and I'd gone through and, you know, um, was just moving forward. And uh, that whole process of learning to see the subtle nuances that were governing me that in the background that I didn't know, you know, um, gaining insight through observing nature of the multifaceted layers that are, of existence that are coexisting simultaneously. And that's how creation is in existence. It's not just a singularity. It's a multiplicity. And then looking to see, okay, well, I'm a multiplicity, clearly. Right? And our subconscious, now we know um, by science that our subconscious is influencing us 95% of what we consciously choose. And so when I look at that through that lens of multiplicity, I see, okay, there are many layers of me existing simultaneously. And how do I get the majority of the existence of me on the same page <laughs> so that I am actually moving towards the life I want to create and that I'm actually um, not just repeating things, but taking what I can from them to learn to know myself better and to learn to know the universe uh, better, understanding different laws of Um, harmonics, the law of um, attraction is a common one, um, but law of magnetism, law of, um, you know, entanglement and and getting to understand and engagement. How do I engage these universal forces that are governing nature, a part of nature? And if I'm a part of nature, well, then that means I've got to have some kind of ability to um, know myself better through those laws of nature and so that's basically what my whole life has been about um as a child i would retreat to nature Uh, that was my sole place of solace and comfort and safety and it was that for the rest of my life and still is today um you know for me nature was the first bible written in the sense it's all frequency it's the frequency of truth not the interpretation and the words given to that frequency of truth Um, Every religion, every teaching, every tradition, all that we're trying to do with all of that is give the best definition so that we can connect to that frequency. But there's a lot of flaws in it because we're human. We have our stories. We view through our lenses. So for me, nature has always been the purest source to um, find the reflections that could feed me and nourish me. 
I don't know, is that enough context left? Well, sure, yeah, I like that. But, you know, the um, there's the notion that um, you've had an... that you've gone through a trauma. Um, perhaps it's a divorce. Perhaps it's a loss of a loved one. Um, uh, maybe a loss of a parent because of a divorce or something like that. And in your mind, mm-hmm. it's like a, a single event. You know, it's like, okay, the divorce or this or that. And uh, sometimes when we go to heal, it... Um, we can kind of perceive it as, well, there's a single issue, so the answer should be Mm -hmm. a single fix. Like, if I just do this or if I just do that, I can erase the effect in its totality. And and we as Mm -hmm. human creatures, it just doesn't work out that way. It's almost like we have um, many layers of, of impact on, on many different yeah. levels, even though it's uh, what we might look at as a single event, the way it influences can can really touch us on many different levels. What exactly? What do you think? And, and that's why we're we're beating ourselves against the wall when we're looking for a singularity, a single answer, a single solution. It it doesn't exist. A single truth does not exist. Truth consists of multi layers of truth coexisting at the same time, like duality, the light and dark coexist simultaneously, right? So we, we keep battling these opposites, but really um, my growth and understanding has brought to me that, no, we need to see the marriage of them, of these forces, of these dualities, of these layers that are, are the force of creation, and they're all necessary. I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't have the traumas that I had. You know, there's nothing in nature that doesn't experience adversarial forces. Nothing. So why should I, that was my thought in my 20s, so why should I think I'm exempt of those natural laws, you know, of, right, of, yeah. of death, rebirth, you know what I mean? It's like, so, and that insight really, really helped me. You know, it helped me to see that, okay, I'm not a victim. I am an expression of nature. I'm a part of this natural world, of this universe, and I am influenced by all the same powers, energies, you know, laws that everything else in nature is, and I see nature can thrive, even with adversity, right? So one of my most, you know, favorite things is seeing a blade of grass pushed through cement. <laughs> that gave me so much inspiration as a young girl, you know, and even as an adult, I sparkle with joy at just seeing the simplistic, sim- most simple gesture of nature that's saying no no matter what i can prevail life can prevail right. love can prevail i can grow i have a choice in every moment what am i going to do with this nature doesn't say oh well okay mm, done it says no okay there's got to be a way okay i can find a crack ah there we go i found the sunlight and now i can grow and it's the same as i understand as a as a human being you know, constantly faced with so many adversarial forces, this is the nature of life. If I keep letting myself be beat down by them, or if I keep feeling like a victim, or if I keep judging life and saying, oh, life is so hard on me, why is God so mean? Um, There is no growth and evolution there. There is nothing I can do. Nothing good can be created from that perception. But if I say, hmm, if I look at this universe, it is intelligence. Whether I exist or not, to perceive it, there is an intelligence that is running the show. 
There is a goodness. There is a love. There is a force that is looking to sustain all life. And a part of sustaining life is death at times. So I need to make friends with death. I need to make friends with the fact that sometimes situations and things happen in my life that are a death, but only so that something new can grow and be reborn, right? And so if I can perceive life that way, then that means I'm always engaging in movement, in action, in flow, in creating and co-creating with life. But the moment that I succumb to just saying, oh, life is hard, life has been hard to me, I went through this and that, and oh, what was me, you know, and it's not to negate the traumas, they're painful, for sure, and I've been through yeah. quite a few humdingers, you know, so it's not to negate the trauma, it's like, okay, I've got this trauma, but what can I do, how can I change my perceptive, perception, or what can I look for that can help me evolve who I am and how I understand life and how I know myself through these things that have happened to me. It doesn't make them right or wrong. It doesn't make the perpetrators right or wrong. It's just like, this is me in my moment of power of now. How do I use it so that I can grow myself and I can find joy and I can find love? I can choose to create myself and my perceptions so I'm bringing more of me on board and in alignment with the ultimate goal that I want, which is healing. And then that naturally will draw that to me right, as a response from, from life, both within and without. Yeah, I like that. Well, in, in your book, um, there was a passage that struck me where you, where you talked about when your sister got in the um, accident on the horse. Yes. And yes. you said that was perhaps the last moment you felt totally free. I don't know if you used the word total, but... That's, you, yeah. you said more or less that that was the last time I felt free. And, and yeah. it, it made me think of, of when you're in the hunker down mode and you're, in, you're going into the trauma and it, it gets harder and harder and, and you, you have to get tougher and tougher. As you, I don't know what the word is, layer up in trauma, yeah. it, it kind of pushes something out of you. It, it squeezes you and the joy of life is diminished. I mean, people don't get to the point of suicidal tendencies when life is easy and uh, carefree. No. It's, it's, no, counter, it's countless layers of submission, if you will, of mm-hmm. surrender of, of your joy, surrender of your peace. And, and you kind yes. of detach from that, um, that part of yourself. And trauma creates a shock, right? It's creating an interruption in what has been once a safe place, right? So safety is really important for us. We need to feel safe. Every second, every room we walk into, every person we encounter, there's a subconscious part of us questioning, am I safe, am I safe, am I safe, am I safe? So safety is really paramount for us. And so when traumas happen and that safety is interrupted, and if there's not something to catch us, right, to cushion that, to help us to, you know, adapt, then what happens, it's like we, we take a, like a, we gasp for breath, right, and then there's this charge in our nervous system and we don't know how to be, you know, it's like our whole identity changes, and for me, I was seven when these two main traumas happened, so my mom left when I was seven, right, 
And then six months right. later, my, my sister had her horseback riding accident. So the culmination of those two things created such a jolt in me at that time that, you know, after years of doing healing work, when I touched back into that trauma, I went, wow, that's where I changed. That's where I stopped feeling as joyful as I used to be. That's when I stopped being creative. That's when I stopped, I stopped trusting. That's when I started, you know, retreating into myself and becoming a different person. But of course, at that age, I didn't know that I was just in reaction to my situation. But when I started delving into my healing in my 20s and into 30s, and now I'm almost 50, I'll be 50 this year, you know, it's been layer for layer for layer of uncovering until I could get to that core. And it was really in writing this book, right, that it brought me to that, like, because I had to really go deeply. I was in a writer's retreat writing this book. And, you know, for years people have been telling me, Luana, you've got to share your story my clients or people I would meet because it is pretty phenomenal, you know, that I'm here. Even sometimes I look at my life, I'm like, wow, how did I, you know, get here? You know? And so when I was thinking about the title of the book and people were saying, how did you make it through that? I had to sit down and think, how, how did I? And that's how the title came. I was inspired by the resilience of nature and I would show up to every opportunity, no matter how small to appreciate beauty to have gratitude and to take action. And I realized that because I showed up, then grace came in and would bless me with serendipities, with encounters, with the right book at the right time, you know, a moment in nature of magic that would touch me or something. And so, you know, when I was in the writing the book, that moment of shift in my life became even more apparent. And so the book was also a process of healing for me. You know, going, touching in and like a sculpture. Oh, wow. I'm going to polish that little part. Oh, there's a corner I didn't quite fully catch, you know. So it's very, very powerful. And to understand that traumas, you, you just don't heal them in, in one go. Like you're saying, they're layers. And there's no measure to trauma. One of the things that I find with my clients a lot, and they all have different kinds of traumas. I, I work predominantly with women trying to get back into their own power and their own sense of self and safety. And, you know, there's always this judgment, oh, but other people have harder traumas than me. And so there's this diminishment. But in truth, there is no measure. Um, One of my favorite statements about trauma from a trauma therapist somewhere I picked up, I don't remember who it was, Um, but they said, you know, whether you got chased off a cliff by a bunny rabbit or a tiger, it is irrelevant. The fact is, is you fell off the cliff and you got broken and you got hurt. And the healing process is the same. It takes time and it takes patience and it takes love and care, right? And so that's something that I really like to bring out for people. You know, sometimes some people have the strength that a million things, bad things can happen and they still stand. And there's some people, it's just one little thing and it shatters the nervous system and you can't measure and you can't say a trauma should be over just because years have passed. It doesn't work that way either. The nervous system doesn't know past, present, future. It's in the eternal now. So any trauma charge that has not found its resolution and completion and healing, it is now. So, you know, to be kind with ourselves and, and each other, 
you know, because there's so much harshness sometimes in this healing field too. You know, everybody should be over and done with it and already healed. And it's like, no, <laughs> there's layers. And each layer brings a different depth of self-awareness and a different depth of connecting to the divine, to God, however way we define that force of good that underlies all creation, that exists whether I do or not to perceive it, right? Right. Well, there, there's the notion of, uh, I mean, so you're in a traumatic, uh, um, maybe you're, you're in an abusive relationship and, and your significant mm-hmm. other is literally abusing you physically, mentally, it doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. it's, it's very hard, and it's very hard, and it's very hard. And you break out mm-hmm. of that, and you you go lick your wounds, so to speak, and and mm-hmm. you you get to a place of um, feeling a lot better. And what I'm getting at here is, um, so oftentimes when we come out of something that's very difficult, as soon as we can mm-hmm. just stand on our feet and take a deep breath, yeah. we feel like yeah. we've made it. But there's still a lot of heartache. There's still a lot of burden on our psyche, on our soul, if you will. What would you say to the listener who, um, I mean, how do you measure healing like that? There's the playfulness of a child. There's laughter. There's joy. There's creativity. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. passionate expression. How do you you weigh or measure your healing process? I guess the best way that I could I could say or observe in my own self is just, you know, um, being present with kindness for the layers when they show up. Because after, yes, we stand on our feet and we're breathing and we're moving forward, right? And I've rebuilt my life many times. <laughs> and But there was always these tail ends. Like there's a beautiful Sanskrit saying I, mentioned, I wrote in my book, you know, um, that's my favorite saying because it's this, depicts what happens when we do step out of a traumatic situation and we finally get moving forward. We tend to process only enough so that we can stand up and move forward. But there's all these layers that are still behind it. So the saying goes like this, the elephant got through the door, but the tail got stuck. (laughs) So basically (laughs) we... we, (laughs) Right? So we move through the biggest layers of the stuff. Right? It's such a perfect image for what we do, right? And it's how we survive, and that's a part of resilience. And there's nothing wrong with it, right? We do what we got to do so we can get back up and start rebuilding, right? But the only thing is, is that if I'm assuming because I'm up and standing that I'm all done and I'm perfect and I'm healed, that's the error in perception. So that we can hold the space and see, yes, I'm up, I'm moving forward, and I understand that each new moment when I'm brought to an experience in my life where I'm brought to be vulnerable with somebody, it's possible that some of my wounds could surface. Right, right, And to go in in with the eyes wide open. You know, it's the same with relationships, you know. We fall in love, we're in the honeymoon period where we just see the best in each other, right? And we we get hooked on that. Versus recognizing, okay, yes, we're, 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 meet, we're seeing each other's hearts and what we're seeing is true. But also where there's love, it's like water, you know, moving through cracks in a boulder, right? It's going to seep in and it's going to crack open areas that we've never engaged or didn't even know were there. 
what the more we try to surrender into vulnerability and love, which means triggers, which means reactions, which means it means all kinds of stuff that we don't expect to come up. And it's the same with the healing journey individually. We don't go in with eyes wide open and understanding this is a lifetime work, really. You know, yeah. once we've gotten through the deep stuff, um, wonderful, right? And be proud and be happy that we made it through the big stuff, but also hold the space with loving kindness and awareness that, you know, we, again, are multidimensional, multilayered in our psyche. And like you said before, too, one trauma can ripple and affect so many different aspects of our identity and who we are. And so at different periods and different transitions in life and different experiences, different triggers can arise that can make us revisit, you know, a trauma that we thought we had already figured out and was all done. And, and then what happens though too, okay, that happens. And then we judge ourselves and say, oh man, I didn't get the work done. And so then we diminish the work that we did do. And then we, we sink into another, you know, abyss of self-loathing and upsetness. Whereas the truth is, is that yes, that layer of evolution and healing happened. And that layer is complete and whole unto itself. And this is simply a new layer, right? Yeah. So to be able to right. have that discernment, and understanding so we're not constantly measuring ourselves or comparing to what we think we've already accomplished and what we haven't. We can honor our accomplishments. We can love ourselves for it and understand that life is always moving and there's always new challenges. And I may end up encountering another layer of this trauma down the road, but because I'm aware of it, I will welcome it and I know what I can do with it. But if I don't engage it with that awareness, I'm going to get hijacked, I'm going to get surprised, I'm going to get disappointed, and I'm going to get upset. Do you see what I mean? Oh, sure. So my, my, advice, um, my advice, you know, like you're saying, that, that would be to just hold, you know, hold an open space for the multilayeredness of this process. It takes a while, you know. It's not just overnight or one workshop weekend or, you know, right. one meditation, you know, there's, there's, a deep commitment to loving ourselves is involved, right? And to loving ourselves, to heal ourselves and others, the people that are closest to us as well. And, and when you see another layer, if you will, if you see another layer of the hurt pop up in your psyche, mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to heal it. So it's... Yeah. Um, when you go into that vulnerable space, perhaps with your your partner or whatnot, and and you mm-hmm. you open up your psyche and you feel um, that pain that might show up, that's that's really a mm-hmm. gift because until you can feel it, you can't heal it. Exactly. That's actually what I always say. I say we have to feel it to heal it. You know, we can. I can rationalize till the cows come home. Oh, I understand this. I understand that. I understand this. But until I've been able to implement that knowledge and understanding in the moment of a trigger, so that that knowledge and understanding is helping me heal and transform that trigger, until I've been able to do that, it's just regurgitated knowledge. It's nothing. I mean, it's a first step, but it's not going to bring me the transformation. It's information, not transformation, right? And so that's it's so important to be able to implement what we know in those moments, and it's the hardest moment to do it. And that's why once we do, we actually master it, right? Because it is the hardest right. moment to do it, right? Well, the 
your life journey is uh, an example of, of uh, I think, a pattern that, that so many of the people that are uh, um, offering healing modalities to the public. I mean, t- typically, I, I think um, from the soul's perspective, um, your soul looked at the family dynamic that you'd be born into, Yes, and your yes, soul yes, chose that bread, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so you you incarnate and you go through the karmic tsunami, the tra- traumatic tsunami, and then you heal mm-hmm. yourself, and you shake yourself yeah. up. But then you turn around, you go back into the tsunami to help others. Um, mm-hmm. I was sharing um, when we were talking the other day on the phone. On the show, when the show opened tonight, I shared the analogy of a bicycle. There's healing the bicycle, and then there's riding the bicycle. And there's two different things behind that. When we look at the human persona and we think that we're healing, um, if I'm fixing a bicycle, if I'm healing a bicycle, I'm not riding it. Now, healing is very, very, very important. But once we heal ourselves, to turn around and engage life, to turn around and, mm-hmm. I mean, um, uh, you live up in, uh, the I guess, northern end of British Columbia, right on the coast where the ocean is, and you've created yes. a retreat center. So, so you've come yes. out of... You've come out of the trauma, and you've you've went into the creation process. You've created modalities. You've created this uh, retreat for people, and and mm-hmm. and that's kind of a. I think it's kind of a sign of how deep you've you've healed. Not that we're ever done. <laughs> Not that we're, we're ever always, done. We're always as long as we're alive. We're yeah. students of life forever, as long as we're here, right? And we sure. gotta just. Accept it. Don't fight it. It's true. <laughs> we're we're always learning, and then and that's what keeps life fresh, right? The moment that I think I know and I've made a conclusion, at the end of a conclusion, there's death. There's nothing more can grow. It's like a stagnant earth, right? Where there's no more fertile soil. So if I conclude I'm already healed and I'm done, well, where is where else is there for me to go? What else can possibly happen? Oh my goodness! Two little dolphins are swimming. Oh my God! There's like three dolphins swimming in front of me outside my view out of my window. What a confirmation! <laughs> wow! 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 Yeah! How beautiful! Magical! They're like and they're doing the swoop. You know, their little fins are coming up. This is incredible! Wow! What a what a affirmation from from nature and life. Right. So again, movement. Think, you know, if if I if I if I become stagnant in my thinking and I become dogmatic and I believe I know everything, then no, I'm gonna I'm gonna get lost. So I always have to acknowledge I what I know that I know that I've used till now is good, and but there's still lots of room to learn as long as we're alive. And so when you're thinking about the creativity and the creation of my retreat center here, this is a dream for. God knows how long, you know, and so much healing happened, but the element of, of creativity and creation. So a part of my journey, what I, as you were saying that I realized is a big part of what came here is I never stopped creating. I learned jewelry making. I studied movement therapy. I did dance. 
you know, I self-taught my flute, the Native American cedar flute, and ended up producing two beautiful CDs. You know, I do leather and beadwork. So there was always this, through, through all that I went through, I was always creating something and journaling. And for me, that is key. You know, the arts are so important in that way. Journaling, you know, if I hadn't had my journals to put what's inside of me, outside of me, so I could create space inside me to reflect and to heal, right? So that constant engagement of creation, you know? Right. In, in Hawaii, one of, the, one of the principles is manava, and it means I am now, not it is now. It is now. That means now is still something separate from me. If you really right. feel into it viscerally with the body, but I am now. That means that in this moment, I am that ultimate force of creative energy flowing. And when I'm in action, I am in God, basically. I'm in action. That, so let's I think like that's in. It's really beautiful. I'm in action. Pardon? That's the riding the when bike I'm, part. Exactly. When I'm in action, I am in God. I am in life. I am in that life force. I am in that movement of life. And being in that movement means I am moving, which means there's possibility for new creation. But if I'm stagnant and I'm not moving, there's not much more that can happen. What happens to a pond that no longer has fresh waters running into it? It becomes stagnant and it stinks and it rots and the life inside of it dies. It's the same with us and our psyche and our emotions. We need to be in circulation with life, with that I am now, that power of life force is coursing through everything right now. It's growing my fingernails while I'm talking to you. It's beating my heart. It's, you know, it was make, animating these beautiful dolphins outside of my window. You know, there's a movement. <laughs> that is the key to healing, you know. And it's so right. beautiful. Last night I, I have a song. I sent it to you guys today that I wrote years ago, Through the Darkness into the Light. And at the end of the song, we've had like three days in a row, hummingbirds coming up in the most magical ways. And at the end of my song, the hummingbird came in as like a confirmation, you know. Again, nature communicates to us, right? And the hummingbird right. is about joy and transforming negativity to joy, embracing life, right? So when I can embrace right. the duality, when I, when I stop fighting the duality and I say, wait a second, actually the duality is, um, important because without the duality, there's no friction to create the flame, like two sticks rubbing together. Creates a flame, creates something new. So, if I can learn to understand, to work with duality in a way that I can see that without it, there is nothing, and with it, there's actually lots of potential for new creations. When I let that friction teach me, and when I use it with creativity, then I can grow and I can evolve and I can affects my reality, and then also, you know, like the law of magnetism, you know, the universe gets curious. Yeah, I want to be part of that creation, and then we get all the support we need, right? And it's, it's like a, a communication with life through action and momentum and movement. Well, you know, when you, um, I think you were mentioning when you first get in a relationship, it's new, it's fun, it's exciting, Um Perhaps you you get a promotion at work or you start a new job that's a challenge, and mm-hmm. and then in either of those scenarios you fast forward three four or five years, and now it's not as fresh as it used to be, and now the job isn't as challenging as it used to be, and 
maybe mm-hmm. you, you live in the city and and you come home from work and you're kind of wiped out mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. you you drop into ritual, you pour yourself a glass of wine, you you watch your latest mm-hmm. episode on TV. What now mm-hmm. the question I'm asking you is as a listener to the show right now, how mm-hmm. um what's a measuring stick or perhaps what's a what's a practice that I can do if if I don't know I'm stuck, if I don't know that I've plateaued, how do I become aware of something I'm not aware of, if that makes sense? Well, I guess one measure is, you know, do I feel the joy of life moving me, moving me in every moment? And do I feel my creativity flowing when I'm at work? Or am I just complacent and numb, right? In my relationship, right. am I just in routine? Or is it fresh because, you know, both people are evolving and growing, you know, which creates always new material to share, <laughs> right? It's never yeah, right. It's never old. Do you know what I mean? So I'm, for me, I am responsible for my creation in my life, how I perceive it, what I do. And if I find, you know, there's a routine going on and there's a numbness and I have to look at that and say, hmm. Where did I lose touch with my joy? Right. Where did I maybe, where did I stop looking for new ways to create at my job? Where did I succumb to pattern and routine? You know, there's, there's different ways that we can self-question because the ultimate thing is if you look at all of nature, you know, especially at this time of year in the spring, what's happening? Oh, it wants to grow, wants to blossom. The energy is just there waiting to explode. And we are also nature, right? And so nature wants to grow. Our soul, our being wants to grow. It wants to experience joy. It wants to experience excitement. But I also have to do my part to show up in life for that to meet me as well, right? That's the art of showing up. I have to meet life. I have to do my actions as well to activate that communication and that momentum with life. Make sense? Right. Yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. And so, oh. so, so, I would, so I would look, if, if I'm one of, you know, if I'm somebody who's noticed I'm, I'm in routine, I might say, you know, how would I, what's always been a curiosity for me? I've always wanted to paint. Okay, let me start to paint. Let me explore it. Because the act of engaging something new already shifts our whole brain and our chemistry biologically. It opens a new pathway. And it's like that stagnant little pond. If we open a tributary, a pathway for fresh water to come in, then it's not just that pathway that there's fresh water. It starts feeding the whole of me too. And it starts regenerating my pond, my soul. Right. So, right, so looking to explore something new, get out of the dogma. We all have our personal dogmas. You know, what are my personal dogmas? That's a good question. What are my dogmas? <laughs> you know, and what creative yeah. actions can I take to, you know, push the barrier a little bit, go outside of my comfort zone so something new can touch me and animate me, right? And to, to be, you know, like in the, in the Hawaiian shamanism. So um, they call it the way of the adventurer and the explorer, which is a very different way of viewing life. 
we're more familiar with the way of the warrior, which has to do with life is a battle, it's a struggle, set up protection all the time. We've got to be careful. We've got to be alert. We've got to be vigilant. And that mode has its place and purpose for sure in the big scheme of things. But if we're doing that in the realm of personal evolution and growth, it's going to kind of block us because that means we're fearing everything. That means our only focus is trying to be safe and safety at the expense of blocking life, right? So when I take the mindset of being an explorer and an adventurer, that every experience is there for me with something to uncover, a treasure, a learning. Every trauma, there's an awakening waiting. If I take that venture, that leap into trusting life and trusting that, you know, I will be supported because all life is supporting life. That's the nature of nature, right? And so to step out into those moments of um, breaking out of my dogma, that's really important. And I don't think I would be where I am if I didn't challenge myself multiple times whenever I was getting comfortable in a story, you know, or an interpretation of a story or interpretation of my life, you know. So that, that's really important in order to keep it fresh. Yeah, the, the more we're challenged, the, the much more satisfying the reward is. So if we don't feel satisfied, maybe we're not challenging ourselves. Yeah, I want to take a step back now. Now, I know you've created the retreat center, but let's talk about your um, services and modalities. Um, Mm -hmm. What kind of services do you offer? Well, my favorite service is having people come here for personal healing retreats. But for now, because of what's happening in the world, that's not happening Um, So I'm doing it online now. I'm doing online virtual personal retreats and life coaching, energy healing, uh, can even do sound healing over the phone and over Skype as well. Um, But the best thing is when people can come here, hopefully that will happen soon, and they come to our beautiful paradise where um, in a five-story building built up a cliff right over top of the water. It's the most incredible place we've ever been. Uh, the former owners designed it themselves, and they designed it to fit the nature around them. Rather than tearing down trees and cutting rock, they built the house to fit the environment, and it's just a magical place. And they also did healing work here. So the land itself is it, such a nurturing place um, for people to come to heal. So if I were to Google that, um, what's the name of the retreat? It's called serenitybythesea.com. So www.serenitybythesea.com. And the opening page, you'll see the house on the cliff right on the water. And uh, so the magic here is with, amazing. It sounds like it. And to, to watch dolphins, I mean, <laughs> I live so far and in land. And this is the first time I've just, seen them since the spring. It's incredible. <laughs> It's just incredible. Wow. So, but now, How honoring. Yeah, so That's beautiful. Yeah, very honoring. Yeah, and all that energy is coming through the phone call, too, to everybody. Dolphin breath, breath of life. Breath is important. That's one of the keys to my healing work is breath work, getting people to breathe and to open space that way because when we have trauma, we, we hold so much. We clench our jaws and our buttocks are clenched and our stomach is clenched and we don't get enough breath 
and that's how we keep the emotions so submerged. So I do breath work techniques, the traditional Hawaiian lomiha breath. Um, I work with the Ho'oponopono, teaching Ho'oponopono healing. Um, I do crystal ball sound healing. I work with a energy system called spiritual response therapy, um, which can be done at a distance as well as the, the Hawaiian work can, most of it, about clearing patterns, beliefs, and, you know, it's like, it's like doing inner gardening, uprooting the, the elements of belief or story or energies that are draining our life force that we no longer need. So discovering what those are and clearing them. Um, I do uh, movement therapy, dancing. Oh, my God, there's another dolphin. Oh, my God. <laughs> this, is, this is unreal. Holy cow. How beautiful. Oh, three more. Wow. Wow. Three more dolphins. They're different ones because the other ones are already went long by. Oh, my goodness. This is remarkable. I'm happy I'm on this call with you, Les. I would have missed them otherwise. <laughs> I would have been working on the property somewhere. So thank you for having me on the call that I could see them. Wow. Well, well thank yeah. you for being on the call. So so That's describe your incredible. ideal client. I mean, what kind of people, what kind of client do you like to work with? Um, I like to work with uh, people who are really at that point of, of humility, too, and humbleness of saying, I, I've, I'm really ready. I'm ready to stop fighting the process. Um, I've got a certain foundation of understanding, you know, what I need to do, and I'm just ready, you know. So um, people that are looking to fulfill their, their dreams, and they're really looking to, right, not just the, oh, I want to fill my dreams, but I don't want to do the work. Right. So, right. and there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of that out there, right? Where it's, it's, there's this expectation that just because I want the dreams, then they should happen, right? Or that I'm the one who's supposed to make them happen for them, and that's not it. I'm here to facilitate um, movement of energy, um, expansion of thought, new perspectives. I share um, in the coaching I do. I, I work with the Hawaiian Healing Principles. There's eight of them that are really fabulous to help reframe, reset how we're perceiving things so that we're actually perceiving in a way that's conducive to our healing. Because oftentimes, the way we dialogue, self-dialogue, we just keep self-sabotaging, right? right. And so yeah. I work with people to, you know, create new ways of perception and thought around the experiences that are challenging so that there can be new growth and new opportunities. So for me... Anybody who's, you know, with their full heart and their full wantingness to be ready to do the work and to take the accountability for patterns that they might realize, oh, my God, I didn't know I was doing this, but accountability with love, not with judgment, right? With the understanding that, yeah, we're all doing the best that we can. We've all got coping mechanisms that we don't even know we have until we finally discover them. And sometimes when we discover them, they might be shocking, <laughs> right? Right. But yeah. that there's that, but that there's that willingness to to also see our shadow side. We have to see our shadow in order to heal. We have to be able to admit where we did something wrong or where we made an error, but not out of judgment. Just have like, okay, and I bless that self that did that because that's the best I could do at that time. You know. Right. So there's a lot of, you know. There's a lot of 
really dropping any kind of, you know, trying to destroy the ego that protected us because really our coping mechanisms were built by our ego that's responsible for our safety. It just did the best it could, right? And now it's just time to learn something new, a new way, a healthier way to keep ourselves safe. Oh, my God, four more dolphins left. Wow. (laughs) I I am, like, blown away. How can the listener get your book? (laughs) Um, Amazon and Indigo. They have my book right now. Yeah, and so in in my book, I share you know a lot of a lot of these insights too, and um, and so much more, so much more too. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. I'm just delighted these dolphins are are showing up. What a what a beautiful uh, omen. Oh my gosh, it's just it's remarkable. I like. I, I mean, I've seen some dolphins here from time to time, like two or three go by at once, but never, this has been like a parade right in front of me. <laughs> it's remarkable. <laughs> wow. Well, how and nice. Have, do, um, do, you have have any, do you have any closing you? thoughts for our audience? Um, closing thoughts would be, you know, spend some time in nature, um, barefoot, preferably if possible. Um, really tune in to the reality, the physics, uh, not just the metaphysics, but the reality that everything is connected and everything is governed by the same universal forces and laws and find your place, look for your place in that. And hmm, how can I, how can I utilize this for my healing and my growth? And gratitude is immense. No matter what I went through, I always, you know, would finish every journal writing, thank you, I'm grateful, grateful for this, grateful for that, little moments, because gratitude generates an energy in our biology as well, and we need to know, we need to know how to change our biology, not just our mind, right, not just our thinking, but we need to know how to use our thinking and our focus to create an environment in our biology that's conducive to healing, where we're releasing more healing endorphins and hormones versus adrenaline and cortisol, right? So gratitude right. is one way that we, we affect our biology in a beautiful way. And the more things I can think of to be grateful for, you know, everybody can do this as an experiment, you know, even when you're feeling at your worst, you know, in that moment, it's the most important moment to find what we feel grateful for and not as, an, as a negation of our negative feelings, but as a light rod to help us get through them, right? So I'm not into positive thinking, oh, smeared over with a positive thought. It's like, no, but we need to access something that fills our heart with joy, and that ends up being like the life raft that pulls us out of that darkness. If I don't reach for the life raft, I'm just going to sink. So you can look at gratitude and connecting to the beauty that is in your life, even in the most smallest of moments, and bringing value and appreciation to that, that is your life raft to get out of whatever dark place you're caught in. You know, so we embrace the darkness is there, but we're saying, let's go. Yes, this darkness is here. Yes, this sadness is here. But what can I connect to that can pull me through it? I'm not negating it. I'm not exiling it. I'm not avoiding it whereas a lot of positive stuff is avoiding and exiling it. No, embracing it, lean into it, lean into my sadness, lean into my fear, but with 
my light raft helping me through, right? And then our biology changes, and as our biology changes, our thinking changes, and then we start seeing more things to be grateful for, and then we start feeling better little by little. Every moment we rebuild in that way, that focus, it it impacts us in incredible ways. We have so much power more than we realize just through that simple act of choosing where I'm focusing and sending my energy. In Hawaiian, it's makia. Where my attention goes, energy flows, and that's what grows. So what do I want to grow? Right. Very nice. Well, time flies when you're having the fun. I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I very much appreciated this conversation. Um, Thanks for being our guest. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you as well, Les. And, oh, um, I gave you the website for the retreat center, but for the new branch that I've created to do online work, um, it's a different website. um, And it's lifecoachhub.com. Can you say that again? Um, It's Coach Luana. It's the spelling of my name, L-U-A-N-N-A-H, Coach Luana, dot, lifecoachhub, with a B, dot com. Beautiful. Well, thank you. And that's where I'm offering everything I offer here, but virtually now, (laughs) until people can come here again. (laughs) Yeah. We've been talking with Luana Victoria Arana, and the topic tonight has been Resilience, Grace, and the Art of Showing Up, A Spiritual Journey of Empowerment Against All Odds, which is the name of her book. I encourage you to check her book out. I think it's a, it's a very good read, very well written. And there's, there's so many uh, uh, beautiful gifts in, in the reading of the books. Um, I, I love the, the component of nature and how nature played a an important role in Luana's um, healing process. I think you would very much enjoy the read. Hey, we're out of time tonight. I appreciate you, the listener, joining with us tonight. It's always a pleasure. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Thanks for listening. Until next time. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.